0: Welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details Podcast. It's the middle of the summer, and we are here recording for you guys with our brand new system. Pretty exciting, isn't it, Darcy? (laughs) Yeah, it's really awesome. (laughs) Finally improve our sound to the point where now people don't hear all the shit in the background and fuzz and breakups and crackling from Skype and all kinds of other things. In case you folks didn't know... And my dog's collar. (laughs) (laughs) In case you folks didn't know, Darcy and I are not in the same cities, in case you haven't listened before or for some reason you don't know that whole concept, but Darcy is out in the South, and I am in uh, California, and it is a little bit challenging because we have to work through the Skype system in order to communicate with one another for the show. However, if you record through Skype, it is mm, not as clean and tight and professional sounding as many other podcasts sound. So... That's yeah, a little of the, iffy. That's some other reason why our podcasts historically have not had the sort of sound quality that some of the other podcasts in our genre have. But we have remedied that sense and hopefully fixed that problem and are continue, continuing to improve our sound quality more and more each day as we learn new little tricks and tips uh, to use through some of our recording devices and software platforms for recording. So we're very excited about that because our goal is always to provide the listeners with the most high quality podcasts that we can and we know our content is awesome it's just a matter of making our sound quality match that right Dars?
1: yeah thank you guys for being patient with us while we try and figure this out because um neither of us are co- computer engineers or sound engineers or anything like that so we're pretty much just learning as we go so hopefully we're getting better and hopefully um we'll continue to get better
0: Yeah, and we don't have a sound person editing for us or anything like that. We do everything ourselves, and luckily we're smart enough to be able to figure most of it out, but um, as we go, we tend to figure little things out that are like, oh shit, wow, that would have helped us out on that thing (laughs) (laughs) to to make that sound a lot better. Uh, So anyway, we are going to jump into today's podcast. We originally recorded this podcast a few weeks ago, and then I went on vacation and tried to figure it out while I was on vacation, and fucked up the episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Always say backups. That was a lesson that we learned.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty much um, my bad. And it was a great episode that we had. So we're just we have re-recorded it for you guys so that you can still have the benefit of listening to our um, episode about these four young ladies that we are going to talk about today because we feel like it is very important. There are some very critical, very crucial, very controversial issues involved with some of these cases today that we are going to dive into. So let's just get right to it this first case that we are going to talk about to get today is about Mackenzie Luke I think that's how you say her name if I've mispronounced it please forgive me this case has been in the news a lot lazy a lot lately don't you think Darcy
1: yeah it's it's been it's just it's like a roller coaster of information because for all of the talk about not blaming the victim there sure seemed to be a lot of blaming the victim in this one
0: Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that 100%. This young lady uh, was about 23 years old. She was a student at the University of Utah. Her body was found July 5th, a few weeks after she had been reported missing. She was actually initially reported missing on June 20th after she disappeared following a lift ride from the Salt Lake City International Airport. She was returning from a trip home to see her grandparents. Uh, Actually, she was returning home from a trip for her grandmother's funeral to the Los Angeles area. This is according to her friends and family. On June 28th, authorities in the Salt Lake City area confirmed that 31-year-old Ayula Ajaji or ajaji I don't know how to say it. I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I don't know. This guy killed her, obviously. Um, it, it, It hasn't gone to court yet, but he has been charged with... Luke's murder. Investigators in Utah have served a search warrant on his home. They did that on June 27th. They found human remains and charred personal items from Mackenzie in his backyard. He is facing charges. And, Go ahead. Sorry, and
1: just just so so we're clear, like when when because we talked about this when she was still missing, and we both obviously immediately went to the Lyft driver because that's right. a very common thing that's happening these days. And so, I just want to be very clear that. This person that they've charged is not was not her lift driver. Yes. They were able to confirm that the lift driver did drop her off At a and park. completed the ride. Yeah,
0: Yes. So we're going to get into that in a little bit more detail. Um, this gentleman who is accused of her murder is being charged with aggravated murder, aggravated kidnapping, obstruction of justice, and de- desecration of a body. They said that Luke was obviously seen Monday 17th. That was the last time she was reported missing a few days later. But she initially landed at the airport at about 1.35 a.m. and texted her parents at about 2 a.m. to say she had arrived, which is interesting to me because most airports shut down and the last incoming flight is about 11. So this must be one of those airports where they have later flights or red-eye flights or something to that effect. Um, Yeah,
1: I've gotten in, not not to Salt Lake, but I've gotten into other airports about that same time.
0: But here in San Diego area where I live, the flights, the last flight in is at 11 p.m. Or I think the last flight out is 11 p.m. And the last flights in are shortly thereafter just because the airport is in a residential neighborhood and they don't want to have air traffic coming in and out and disrupting those neighborhoods. But in any case parents she texted her parents around 2 a.m. to say that she had arrived safely and then she caught that Lyft ride at around 2:45 from the airport in Salt Lake City in North Salt Lake City so the Lyft share the Lyft rideshare driver dropped her off at a park at around 2:59 or 3 a.m. and that and, is and
1: not- we still don't know why she went to this park right
0: It has not been confirmed conclusively, but there is speculation that she was meeting this Ayula uh, Ajajai gentleman at the park, the man that is accused of killing her.
1: Okay.
0: In any case, both of her phone and the accused, the man who was accused of her murder, they both pinged in the same location around the same time. The driver of the Lyft vehicle said he did see Mackenzie make contact with another person, but was not sure if he saw her get into another vehicle or leave the park. Okay, so that is where that stood with that. However, it has been widely speculated that she was meeting this young man at the park because he was some form of sugar daddy to her, which is interesting because I know there is a lot of victim blaming, there's a lot of slut shaming, there's a lot of other stuff going on with this case, and if you have researched this at all, You can find a lot of articles that accuse Mackenzie of being a sugar baby or looking for a sugar daddy. Now, let me try. Well, and they're
1: also conflating that with sex work.
0: Yes. So, let me just unwind this and unwrap this a little bit for the listeners who don't understand what this concept is. I would not necessarily consider being a sugar baby or looking for a sugar daddy a form of sex work. Some people would consider that because money is being exchanged or some form of payment for something is being exchanged. Now, the whole concept of a sugar baby is not necessarily sex work. It is true, some sugar babies do have sex with their sugar daddies, but the relationship of a sugar baby and a sugar daddy is one where there is an older man, typically, who provides some sort of financial assistance or financial... um, whether it be clothes, paying rent, um, buying gifts, paying for trips or whatever to a younger female who either has sex with this older gentleman or just provides certain things to him, like texting him, talking to him, going out to restaurants with him, being sort of a date for him. Just like general companionship. Right. It's companionship. And sometimes they sleep with the sugar daddy and sometimes they don't is, I think, more of a fetish-type role, which to me speaks more of a, a preference for what makes you happy versus a job, okay? Yeah. Because some girls really do truly find some sort of pleasure in manipulating the older person or demonstrating that they can get funding from this older person, from this older, wealthier gentleman, without having to do anything. So that but is, I think on the
1: flip side of that too though, there are men that want to do those sorts of things as well. Maybe not even necessarily with the promise of sex. Maybe I mean I think there are men that want to spend money on young women and may it, maybe just have them on their arm when right. they go places, you know. And that
0: I think is why it's called the sugar baby sugar daddy relationship versus Right. At something else, because it is and it can be at times more like a father daughter type relationship. And I know that sounds creepy. I'm not trying to make it sound creepy. But it really is a much younger woman gaining some sort of compensation for providing companionship to an older, wealthier man. And a lot of people, and Now, how
1: old is the suspect in this case? The though? suspect in this typically. particular
0: case is about 31 years old. Yeah. She was 23. She is the ideal age for a sugar baby, according to most um, what most people would say about sugar babies. However, there has been some talk and some articles that have come out that have said she had bragged on Tinder and Facebook and several other sites about being a sugar baby and about what was required to be a sugar baby. And she had said that the typical age range that you would want to obtain for a sugar daddy was 35 or older in order to make sure you're gaining the maximum benefit from somebody. Or, and they had time to gain an amass enough a financial um, security to be able to provide adequately for a sugar baby. And I know all of this is very controversial because a lot of people are going to be immediately making judgments and saying, Oh, that's awful. And how could she do that? And she was such a slut and she was this and she was that, but I would reserve that judgment. I honestly would. Yeah. Because regardless of whether you're a sex worker, an escort, sugar baby, whether you have a fetish, whether you're into S&M, whatever you're into, you don't deserve to die. You don't deserve to be injured. You don't deserve to be murdered. You don't deserve to be burned, killed, buried, whatever the case may be. It does not matter what you do in that line of work. You still don't deserve to be the victim of right. domestic violence, violent crime, or a murderer.
1: And this is something like in the true crime genre Everybody is moving away from using the term prostitute or hooker. Everybody's trying to use the more sensitive term sex worker. And yet, when we talk about the victims, the first thing we talk about is that they were a sex worker. And so we are still in this sense. We're just putting a, a bow on it and simply still calling it. You know victim blaming basically is what is what's still happening, and the fact of the matter is she was a college student, yeah, you know and yeah. and it doesn't matter what you do. You could be a mother, you could be somebody who you, like does you know i mean like it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is that you do. you shouldn't be defined by a role that you play
0: or something that you're into. I mean if you're into that as a yeah. fetish and that makes you happy and you're an adult and you're not hurting anybody, then whose business is it yours? And everything is, is consensual. Yeah. yeah. And I want to kind of dispel a little bit of this by talking a little bit about this young woman and talking about who she was and what kinds of things she liked. I don't want her to be just a victim and a sugar baby because that's not who she was. She right. liked to bike to the Pacific Ocean. She was a student at the University of Utah and she considered herself a feminist. She competed on the swim team, and she played water polo at her high school in Southern California, which was where she was from. She was in the Alpha Chi Omega sorority. From all accounts, she was a very outgoing, friendly person who people gravitated towards. She was a nurturer. She liked to cook. She considered that she was going to be a mother someday. She was always taking care of people, making sure they had drinks and food and comfortable things to make them happy. She liked the small type of beach towns. She was raised in El Segundo, the second of four children Mm. and the only daughter in her family. So this must have been absolutely devastating for her brothers and sisters and her family. El Segundo, the city that she's from, has about 16,000 residents and is the in the metropolitan Los Angeles area with the ocean on one side. It still kind of has a little bit of a small town feel. So she really did consider herself more of a small town girl. Um, Mm -hmm. She spent a lot of time in the water being on the swim team and the water polo team. She loved the beach. She enrolled in the university of Utah right out of high school and was very excited about college. So she had been raised in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints which, okay, but so that
1: fits as to why she felt comfortable in Utah. she said she did
0: not practice, though. Um, and I think this is another reason why so much judgment has come down upon her for this. Yeah. Because people in some of those religious communities tend to be very um, outspoken about believing in certain things.
1: And more conservative, traditionally.
0: Absolutely. And there are, you know, screenshots of messages from her on certain, you know, Facebook and other things telling people, you know, this is what it means to be a sugar baby. And if you have questions, message me because I'll tell you how to get your own sugar daddy or some th- things like that. But, uh, I mean, it was very one very small aspect of her life. And if that's what she was happy with, then I don't see that she was hurting anybody.
1: Right. Yeah, it doesn't talk about... Um, future, like pre- uh, previous relationships that she may have had, but it does seem like that's the case. And by all accounts, those were safe and consensual, and nobody was hurt in those. Right. You know. So, it, so this is this is one of those things where it was somebody that took advantage of this young girl yeah. in a terrible situation. So
0: she had other jobs as well, though. She wasn't clearly was not spending all of her time anticipating that a sugar-baby-sugar-daddy relationship would support her fully. She had a job in a testing laboratory. It said that she was pursuing a career in healthcare by majoring in kinesiology and pre-nursing. So clearly she had some, interested in going, some interest in going into the healthcare field after she graduated from college. This is really freaky because I'm looking at this article. There's an article about it on heavy.com, and there's pictures of her at the airport the night she was reported missing.
1: Like the surveillance ones? Yeah,
0: just pushing her bags. Yeah. I always find those pictures like particularly distressing because it's like just, mo- yeah. this is the last pictures of this person before they're
1: dead. And they have like no idea that anything is about to happen.
0: Yeah, it's freaky. And you know, girls, regardless of whether you want Whatever type of work you want to work in, whether it be sex work, whether it be legitimate jobs, whether you choose to date on Tinder, whether you choose to meet people in bars, whatever the case may be, you, I, I get it. You don't deserve to die for working in sex work. You don't deserve to die if you choose to have many sexual partners. But let's be safe. This young girl was meeting a man in a park at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Right,
1: and not somebody she'd met before, don't, it doesn't sound like.
0: Don't do that. Don't yeah. meet people in parks by yourself at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Let's, let's be smart, ladies. And I, and I get it. We shouldn't have to be cautious about those sorts of things. We shouldn't have to be afraid of it, but let's be smart. Don't meet people in the park in early the wee hours of the morning by yourself. Go in a group if you're going to meet somebody. Make sure people always know where you are. It sucks to right. we have then, to do that, but and this, let's be smart.
1: And and it goes further into, you know, meeting somebody that online, you know, you go out with them for the first time, don't have them pick you up at your house. Don't tell them where you live, like meet them somewhere, tell your friends where you're going, tell them who you're going out with. You know what I mean? Like, just kind of all these precautions that we as women have to think about that, unfortunately, we do have to think about and consider. And it, it's just... It's just a, a, It's just not a good idea to do those kinds of things with, with nobody knowing where you are or what you're doing. And there's a
0: picture of the park that she was dropped off in and it looks very innocuous. It looks very safe, but you know, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's dark. And you know, we'll post some pictures of this park, but it's just like, don't do that. Um, she seemed happy, you know, when they dropped her off, she wasn't distressed at all when she got out of Mm -hmm. the car. But, for some reason, she disappeared. So, the man that is accused of killing Mackenzie, Ajula, Ayula, was also a published author that had a book on Amazon, which is very, very interesting. He was And a, it was like a self-published, It was a self-published right? novel yeah. telling the story of a boy who witnessed a gruesome murder. It was pulled off the shelves after uh, the authorities and different people started <laughs> commenting and writing to Amazon telling him, hey, this guy's facing murder charges, you need to take this book down. But the novel reportedly told the story of a young boy who had witnessed a gruesome murder and then embarked on a quest for revenge. Interestingly enough, there was a burning of a body within the book as well. Hmm. His estranged wife said that he would tie her up with a phone cord and slash her with a kitchen knife and that she actually had pressed charges against him because he had threatened to kill her on numerous occasions. So this guy had a history of domestic violence. This gentleman attended Utah State University as well on three separate occasions but never earned a a degree, leaving the school for the final time in 2016. He served a brief stint in the Utah National Guard but was discharged after six months. It says that it is not clear how his path crossed with Luke, a senior at the University of Utah who was majoring in kinesiology and pre-nursing. But they suspect that he might have been a potential sugar daddy that she met through one of the sugar daddy sites. So, this guy had also tried to have a contractor build a secret soundproof room for him prior to the murder. It just says that contractor Brian Wolf told CBS News that the suspect, Ayula, had requested a secret soundproof room to be accessible by fingerprint lock. He had also requested hooks be installed along the concrete walls of the secret room he was planning. He was adamant about getting it done fast and that money was no object. This contractor turned down the job saying this was not normal and he did not know why Ayula wanted it, but it said that he reportedly requested the secret room about the size of a walk-in closet that would be accessible by a thumbprint lock and claimed the hooks were going to be used for a wine rack. He said he wanted to build the room to hide his alcohol from his Mormon girlfriend. She doesn't know that he drank, so he wanted to hide the alcohol from her
1: I feel like anytime somebody tells you I need something and money is no object, that's a pretty big red flag.
0: Right. And then he wanted it to be soundproof as well. And then this Ayula gentleman was asked why soundproof and he said, oh, so I can hang out and listen to my music.
1: With my alcohol. Right. Just, you know, as a normal guy does.
0: <laughs> very, very interesting. And he, you know, denied, 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 but... Both of their phones were in the same area at the same time, and they found this gentleman's information on Mackenzie's phone, and that is how the two were linked. (laughs) There's some pictures of him, and quite frankly, he looks different in every single fucking picture that they have posted online. The ones where he's being captured, he's got, like, these real thick bottle cap-type glasses on, he's kind of fat, and, like, just does not look attractive at all. And then the ones where they show him in kind of the sugar daddy way, he's in like an army uniform with his name on it and he's like doing the duck face a little bit and he's not wearing glasses and they Hmm. just make him look very, very different. But he was born in 1988. He was an army IT specialist who was arrested on murder charges for the death of this young woman. But he was employed by the U.S. Army as an information technology specialist for two years before leaving in 2016. He currently works or currently worked at Dell as a senior technical support analyst and had been doing so for the last 10 months. He Hmm. was initially just a person of interest in this because they found her, they found his information on her phone. But then once they did that, they started to link the two because both of the phones pinged off the same cell phone tower at the same time. At that point they said, we need to search this guy's house They got a warrant and spent 19 hours searching his home in Salt Lake City's west side. They then, at that point, found charred remains in the backyard, something burnt in the backyard, and they found some items that belonged to her at this gentleman's house. It was then said shit, this guy is definitely our prime suspect because he, he's right. showing more and more things that are linking these two together. But right. um, I do believe as well that they did find her body. What did I say they found her on Yeah, her they July. did. They found Just her recently. in a canyon not far from the suspect's house and her charred remains were found. He had obviously tried to minimize the police's ability to find out who she was. So, her body was found in Logan Canyon, about 90 miles north of Salt Lake City. They did forensically confirm it was her. And then subsequently arrested Ayula, charging him with her murder. The neighbors had seen him using gasoline to burn something in his backyard on June 17th and 18th prior Mm. to the murder. Obviously, they are not releasing 100% of the information about this case because that is pretty standard procedure when they're trying to um, build the case for prosecution against this person. They they keep some of the information tight to the vest so that they can eliminate other suspects and potentially try to trap this person so that they don't have the means by which to defend themselves or make excuses for some of the things that were found but this one seems I think pretty airtight they found information about her on his phone their cell phones both pinged in the same area at the same time there just seems like there is just an insurmountable amount of evidence against this gentleman he wrote a book before about burning bodies just it seems like there's just way too many links for him to get off in any way shape or form from these charges what what is your opinion on that
1: yeah, I agree. And I mean, they found, you know, d- genetic material from her at his house. So obviously, that's probably like their strongest evidence, right? But yeah. I wasn't gonna say they are keeping stuff t- tight to the vest, which is common. But it does seem like we we know less than we normally do at this point, because we still don't even know how they knew each other. And I feel like that's something that usually comes out, you know, either just through leaks or whatever, but... Um, they're, they're keeping everything pretty tight to the vest, which is pretty interesting. I think if it goes to trial or he might plead, I don't know, but if it does go to trial, I think that there's going to be a lot of interesting information to come out about this guy.
0: Yeah. And again, we mentioned some theories that are at this point, purely speculation, according to what other people have found and seen online, from her Facebook profile, her Tinder prof- profiles, and other things of that nature. So, again, those things are speculation at this point. It has not be con- been conclusively proven one way or another that she met this man through a sugar daddy, sugar baby website. He, right. as well, is keeping everything completely to the vest, is not saying anything, is denying everything. And with good reason. Um I think right. that is... One of the things that defense attorneys immediately tell their clients is to just don't fucking say anything because you don't want to incriminate yourself. And when you do start to give little bits and pieces of information, you can trap yourself and then immediately give too much information and all of a sudden you're convicted with an airtight case. So attorneys always advise defense clients in murder trials and other serious criminal allegations to shut the fuck up and not say anything because you don't want to incriminate yourself. But anyway... Um, We are going to move on to the next case. This obviously was a very, very sad thing, and this young girl did not deserve to die. But I think she has garnered a lot of attention in the media because she's pretty, she's white, and she's middle class in America. And blonde. And blonde. And unfortunately, the media in this country just jumps on those cases and splashes them all over the news. And we find out all kinds of details. But there are so many cases of women of color across this country that have had similar circumstances and have not been highlighted on the news. Darcy, why don't you illuminate one of those cases?
1: Yeah, so I wanted to cover this one for all the reasons that that you just said, Sarah. And because I feel like specifically on our show, we haven't talked about women of color that often or just persons of color. Um, when we talk about our story. So I wanted to highlight this one, and this one happened, again, very, very recently. And this is the death of Michaela Winston. So 21-year-old Michaela Winston was nine months pregnant when she went missing on June 27th from her home in Goodman, Mississippi, and she shared this home with her sister. And she had worked at the McDonald's in Kosciuszko, Mississippi, which is nearby, for 10 years, so, she had been working since she was 11 years old. So, this is somebody that had a very strong work ethic. She was clearly very responsible. Every, all of her coworkers said she never missed work or anything like that. Um, and on the day that she went missing, she told family that she was going to show the sonogram of her baby to the baby's father. She just recently got a sonogram and was going to go show it to the baby's father. And this is the last time anybody saw her. So sheriff deputies later found her car with the keys still in the ignition at the intersection of Highway 14 and I-55 in Holmes County, just three and a half miles from her home in Goodman. And this is all kind of in the north, north of Jackson area. Um, Her cell phone was also recovered from the car or from nearby, but all of the text messages had been erased from her phone. Which obviously that is suspicious because nobody erases their text from their phone.
0: And can we just you know? like interject a little thing here? Like you can go ahead and delete all the fucking messages you want from a cell phone, and you can destroy the phone, and you can do all kinds of other things to try to erase that evidence. But that never disappears. There's yeah, always there's always going to be something to trap you. There's always going to be something that's going to have backup. You're, you can't erase things that you put out there digitally anymore. There's always: a Exactly.:
1: Exactly. So her body was found on July 1st, just five miles south of where her car was found, along highway 17, outside of Lexington, Mississippi. And the really, really tragic thing about this is that she was due to give birth on July 4th. So she went missing on June 27th, and that, they believe oh, that's shit. probably the day that she was killed. And if they had found her within, uh, you know, a relatively short period of time after she was murdered, she probably, they probably could have saved this baby because it, you know, it was just a week or so away from, from being born.
0: It was viable. It could have survived on its own yes, without Yes, it was her.
1: absolutely viable. And that's what's so, so tragic about this story. And... Her boyfriend, Terrence Sample, was 33 years old, and he turned himself into police on the same day she was found, on July 1st. So he told investigators, depending on which story you read, that he either didn't know Michaela or that he hadn't spoken to her in many days. But from what they could recover from her phone, um, obviously pointed to evidence to to otherwise, you know, they, they believed that he did not want the baby. And that's why that was his motivation. And the investigation does show that Michaela met with Sample the night she went missing. And Sheriff Willie March said, what happened out there is what led to the attack. Even leaving her out there on this road after he was out there with her is just mind boggling to me. And Terrence Sample, his mom is a judge in the neighboring county. So when he was arrested, they had to appoint a special Judge, because all of the judges in the county rec- recused themselves because they had, you know, a professional relationship with his mother. Oh, geez. Um He has been charged with capital murder, kidnapping and murder in the deaths of both Michaela Winston and her unborn baby. And that's all the information that there is right now out there about this story. But it's so tragic. Mm-hmm. And they believe that maybe he was in a relationship with another woman as well. And that could have been you know, further motivation for him not wanting this baby. But it's just, it's just so awful. There's, there's no reason for this kind of violence, you know, when it went with something like this, you, you know, just, just cause you don't want to have a baby with somebody. You take two lives now, you know,
0: just get a divorce, just break up. Like, I just don't understand this concept of you don't want to be with the person anymore. So you have to kill them.
1: Right. I guess some, you know, people think about like the financial responsibility, even if you're not with the, with your partner anymore, you still are financially responsible for the baby. But the answer isn't, is never violence, you know, but
0: here's the deal. You kill that person. You don't have the financial responsibility, but then you got to spend the next 75 years in jail. Like what the fuck? Really? Is it worth it? and,
1: And he's charged with capital murder, so he might get the death penalty in Mississippi. Yeah.
0: So, like, I just don't understand that concept of these people just stupid and believe, hey, I'm going to be the only one that's going to get away with this or they think I think it's just a very short sighted situation, you know, no sense for me. And it doesn't clearly this gentleman planned this. This was not a spontaneous act of violent aggression against this young lady where he was just snapped and, like, killed her. This was planned in order for him to know where she was going to be, her car, where to put her, how to do this, how to hide it. He planned this. I'm right. sorry. He did.
1: He yeah. obviously been yeah. thinking
0: about it for a very long time before it happened.
1: Exactly. And, and it just it's just so tragic and heartbreaking because the baby was still viable for a period of time after she was murdered. You know, that's the, that's one of the hardest things to think about in this one.
0: Yeah. But I'm sure he probably thought if I, you know, kill her after the baby's born, that I'm still going to be responsible for the baby. But I just right. don't understand how someone could kill their own flesh and blood. I mean,
1: if anybody had the answer to that, you know,
0: Cain and Abel, right? Um, yeah. So, question then: Did this guy have another girlfriend? Was this the case that where he had another girlfriend?
1: They they suspect it, but I've not seen it confirmed anywhere. But they that's part of the 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 suspicion about him is that he did ha- he was in another relationship.
0: God, there's always somebody else in these right. cases. Right, and, and
1: what we don't know is maybe if he and Michaela were no longer in a relationship. Her family seems to believe that they were currently in a relationship, but we don't know if maybe they were no longer in a relationship and he had a new girlfriend. You know, there's there's information, again, like, like with Mackenzie, that we don't have all the information, you know.
0: No, and we can only do our best to speculate at this point and— Granted, when we get more concrete evidence on these, when the person is convicted, when they do receive a sentence, we will update these cases. But for now, we do not have that information. Right. So is that all for that one?
1: Yeah, that's all that's all the information we have on on Michaela. And it's you know, like I said, it's just it's very tragic and very upsetting to. But I did want to cover it because. It's it. It was a story that was in the news, but it wasn't that widely covered. And again, you know, it probably falls into that. You know, she's a woman of color, and so it, it didn't get as much attention. So I just kind of wanted to shed some light on that.
0: That somehow her life is less important than this blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl from Utah, right? right? Which is just fucking tragic. I hate. I hate that society has created that that one life is more important than another because of the color of the skin or the socioeconomic status. Mm
1: -hmm. Because
0: people that are poor get the same shit. Mm
1: -hmm. They're not going
0: to get covers, or women that are sex workers, for that matter. Like, somehow their life is not as important as someone who's They deserve it. Right? Yeah. So, anyway, um, the third case that we have for today has also been another one that has been in the news quite a bit lately. So this next case is the, the case of Kelsey Barreth, the mother who was missing from Colorado. She was born September 15, 1989. She was a mother. She was a flight instructor from Colorado. She went missing on Thanksgiving day. The last time she was seen, it was at a Safeway grocery store near her residence in Woodland Park, Colorado. So let's talk about some of the facts of this particular case. She still has not been found, but her fiance is now sitting in jail, facing murder and solicitation charges because they say that he had tried to solicit someone else to kill his fiance prior to her disappearance. They had a daughter together. She was a one-year-old at the time of the death. They allege that he killed her on Thanksgiving. But she wasn't reported missing for 10 days, 10 whole freaking days. So your fiance hasn't seen you for 10 fucking days and you don't call the police like what the actual fuck? Like if I had a fiance yeah. and I didn't hear from them for a day, I would call the police or I would try right. to figure out where they were, but
1: especially if it's the mother or the father of your child.
0: In all fairness, they lived in two separate residences, okay? So that's one aspect of this, which, again, is a red flag to me that says this woman doesn't trust him. Because why else would you live in two separate residences unless you are not quite sure that you want to pull the trigger on this? Am I just being overly critical on that?
1: No, I don't think so at all. I think if if you have a kid together and you are engaged to be married, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't live together unless someone is still hesitant.
0: So, correct. I mean, unless maybe,
1: like, you're living with a sick parent or something like that. But like, tr-
0: Absolutely. So, to me, yeah. this is one, the first big red flag in this particular case. So, surveillance surveillance video captures Barrett and her daughter on Thanksgiving as they enter a local market shopping for their Thanksgiving stuff. The fiancé said they had met that day so they could hand off the daughter, which... Again is interesting. They're that sounds like a custody engaged, agreement and they're, you know, both yeah. spending separate time with the daughter. That is interesting. The only way that I could see that that would be a thing is if number one they live in separate residences for some, you know, other reason and she had to go to work and so she was dropping the baby off so she could go to work. But that does not appear that this was the case because it was Thanksgiving Day. Yeah,
1: I don't think there's a lot of flight Lessons on Thanksgiving
0: Right And her mother Who lives in a different state Was the one that ended up Calling the police To report her missing That call was made On December 2nd 2018 10 days after The authorities say This young woman Was murdered So Some other facts About this case Most people speculate That these two Frazee and Bareth Had split up Before she was killed
1: There have been conflicting accounts
0: on this, obviously, though. Um, Some relatives have come forward to say that she had ended the relationship a few weeks before she vanished, vanished, and others claim that they split up the day of the alleged murder. To me, if they were together, why would he kill her? I I think that she had tried to break things off with him, and he was like, oh shit, I'm going to have to pay child support. Well,
1: and if they split up the day of the murder, why would he have ta- been talking to a hitman prior to that?
0: Yeah. So that, you know? to me, does not make sense. Um, prosecutors have, since the the initial charges were filed, added some additional counts against him because they have discovered since that he had tried to obtain a hitman to kill her. Now, how this whole thing happened is even more frightening because they say that he had help with either with the actual murder itself or in covering it up. Now, if you watched or listened or read about this case at all, her cell phone showed up very, very far away from and I believe it showed up in Idaho.
1: Yeah, because I, I remember this happening and everybody thought she's a flight instructor. Her mom was in Idaho. Did she take off? But there were no planes yes. missing, like, from where she was teaching, and her mom hadn't heard from her. So it was really interesting. At first, it sounded like it could be a disappearance.
0: Correct. That she had taken off in a, in a gone girl type of scenario. Mm-hmm. Now, the solicitations that supposedly happened that they found out about occurred between September 1st and November 1st prior to the murder. So that same year hmm. as the murder. They said that there were at least three separate occasions where he had tried to create... A murder plot scenario. Now, another thing that was very interesting is Franzi's demeanor. This was another red flag. He was a rancher who showed no indication of any sort of worry when his fiance was gone. I mean, what the yeah. actual fuck? Yeah,
1: that's and they not still normal. don't have
0: a motive for this because there's no concrete evidence that says the two broke up. There was nothing that showed any sort of abuse. No motive whatsoever has showed up. And then three days after she disappeared, her mobile phone pinged off a cell tower near Gooding, Idaho, about 600 miles from her home. So people were saying, oh, she's there. And then when that happened, people had called in and said they had seen her.
1: Of course. That's one of those crazy phenomena where as soon as somebody says they're missing and they might be in this area, people start believing that they see somebody there.
0: Yeah. Very, very interesting. So, what's also interesting is that she, a few months prior to her murder, she had purchased this home for herself and her daughter. So she spent about $200,000 a few months before her murder to buy this home. Which is interesting. Because why, if your relationship was spot on and strong and you were going to marry this person... Would you, number one, live separately, and number two, go buy a house for you and your daughter alone? Right. At this point, her body has not been found. But an interesting twist in this story was that a girlfriend came forward. And it just so happens to be the woman that took the phone, the nurse that took the phone into Idaho. So, a little bit of information about this. Investigators do believe that she was killed in her, her own home because it was blood on the toilet in her bathroom that was first spotted by her mom. Hmm. This then led forensic investigators to go into the home and do way more searching and search for more blood. Obviously, someone had come into that area prior to the police searching her home and cleaned up. And the bath mat was also missing that was normally in that particular bathroom. So someone had come in and wiped this down. The refrigerator had also been wiped down because she could see visible white marks on it. The bathrooms, including the ceiling, towel rack, and doorknob, all tested positive for Barrett's blood.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: According to suspicions, Barrow's mother called Franzi, getting visibly upset the day his daughter was born. Cheryl Barrow said Franzi was verbally abusive towards the nursing staff because the parents were initially kept away from the newborn who needed special medical care. So although there was no history, quote unquote, of domestic violence between the two, it was noted that this gentleman who was accused of Barrett's murder, her fiancé, had sort of a history of kind of some anger management issues. Yeah. Then, Crystal Jean Lee, Kenny, 32, has now been accused of tampering with evidence. Is that the nurse? Yes. Okay. Kennedy initially or, excuse me, Kenny initially told detectives she knew nothing about Barrett but soon confessed to taking the Colorado mother's phone to Idaho where she disposed of it. So evidently the speculation is that this man beat her to death with a baseball bat and then burned her body. Oh my God. Which just sounds fucking awful. Frazi apparently told investigators that Barrett wanted some space and a different arrangement after gathering her belongings from his house. He told them November 22nd was the last time he saw her. So she initi- he's initially telling investigators that she broke up with him prior to right. Thanksgiving.
1: So that must be why they think that they broke up that same day.
0: Yes, and then... that was his original story. Crystal, Crystal Kenny cracked. She's the Idaho nurse who has since pleaded guilty to tampering with evidence regarding the death. And she then told them a narrative of his alleged determination to see his fiance killed. Crystal Kenny agreed to give police a formal interview after reaching a plea agreement with the prosecution. Obviously, they're offering her a sweet deal so that she doesn't have to spend time in jail in order yeah. for her to testify against him. So, Colorado Bureau of Investigation agents told the court that Kenny and Franzi, who knew each other previously, reconnected on the phone in the fall of 2017 and began a relationship when she came to Colorado in March 2018. So, they Hmm. sprung up this relationship as early as 2017 while he was with Bareth. Kenny told investigators that Franzi told Bareth, excuse me, Kenny told investigators that he told her. Bareth was a bad mother and physically abused the couple's young daughter, which seems like something that people who murder their fiance or their wife or whatever tend to allege in many instances that their spouse was either abusive or a bad parent so that they can somehow be vindicated in removing them from the child's life.
1: I right, think- and especially if you're talking to another woman. That always seems to be the case of, well, this other woman is abusive and is a terrible mother or does drugs or what have you because you're talking to another woman and you want to manipulate that person.
0: Right. So she, this woman, Kinney, and Franzi both claim that they were worried for the safety of the daughter, although there is absolutely no evidence anywhere that would indicate this child was a victim of abuse. She appears to be healthy, happy, perfectly fine, say all the investigators and the prosecution but they still believed they needed to get rid of this woman because they were worried she was going to harm the daughter the first time he suggested Kenny Kilbarath, Kenny said Franze suggested she drug the coffee after picking her up an order from Starbucks, so she went and got Kelsey a cup of Starbucks and suggested she put some poison in it and bring it to her. So she brought So that Starbucks. indicates
1: that the nurse and Kelsey knew each other.
0: Yes, they did. They were in cahoots. That's already been proven. No, no, no.
1: no Kelsey. In 2007.
0: Yes, because she went and acted like she was a neighbor. Okay. So she went to the Starbucks, bought a coffee, brought it to Barrett at her house, and didn't put anything in the coffee that time because she was too scared to do it, but... Kelsey okay. Gareth had just moved into that brand new house. I remember she just bought a brand new house for her and her baby. So yeah. Kenny went and pretended like she was a neighbor. Gotcha. Okay. And offered I her part. the coffee and said, Hey, you know, here's some, I'm a friendly neighbor, have this coffee, but she didn't have the guts to put any poison in it. Thank God on that particular yeah. occasion. But evidently, Franzi was really pissed at her for not taking that opportunity to kill her and then offered her a quote unquote second opportunity to get rid of Kelsey. She instructed this young woman... Franzi instructed Kenny to go to the house with a metal pipe and strike Bareth in the back of the head and dump her body in the trash. Number one, if somebody starts telling me that I need to kill their significant other and I'm the girlfriend, like, wouldn't you get the fuck out of there?
1: Well, if somebody seems to present this to you as the only solution to a problem, get the fuck out of there.
0: Right? It just seems like... Why did Kinney stay around? Like, yeah, she just completely ridiculously stupid. Yeah. But this woman actually went to the house with the metal bar intending to do this. But then she got startled by a dog barking and left before she did anything. So when the investigators asked this woman, what the heck were you thinking? Why did you cooperate with him when he was suggesting you murder someone for him? Yeah. And she said she cooperated because she loved Patrick and wanted to please him and was afraid he would hurt her and her family based on his behavior towards Barrett. All the more reason to get the fuck out of there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's like the fear of violence is fair, obviously, but... I don't know.
0: And then a third time she goes back to the house with a baseball bat intending to assault Barrett and realized she couldn't do it before she left and went home.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: So then it says at that point she told Franzi or Frazi, I'm not doing this. You're going to have to do it yourself. And Kenny said he would come out to give her another opportunity. But she told investigators she relayed to him that she could not do this.
1: So if she's able to stand up to him to not do this, why is she then not able to tell the police?
0: Yeah, she could have prevented all of this by going straight to the police when he initially told her this shit. So then on November 21st, he asked her what her Thanksgiving plans were and then called her on November 22nd, which was the day the last day anyone heard from Bareth and told her she had a mess to clean up.
1: He then Christ. told
0: investigators that Franzi had beaten Barreth to death with a bat after tying a sweater around her eyes and making her guess the scent of candles. Oh. She was like, hey, sweetie, let's have this romantic evening and let me tie this sweater around your eyes and you can guess the scent of it. I mean, who the fuck does that?
1: Ugh. I'm, I'm so afraid then, that's something that's, like, really common that now everybody's going to be terrified of doing.
0: Right? You know? Don't tie anything around my eyes. Uh-uh, no, uh, I don't want to be blindfolded. <laughs> Don't take me on a fucking trail and tell me it's a romantic weekend and that we're going to (laughs) propose to me because I know you're just going to push me off the cliff and dispose of my body. What's funny is that's how our friend Catherine got engaged. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's horrifying. So it's scary that we have to be afraid of that now.
1: By the way, they're very happy they have a son who's like two or three years old now. So I just want to make that clear.
0: (laughs) He didn't kill her. There's no history of that yet. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so after he killed Bereth, and I, I don't want to make light of this or turn this into a joke at all because a young woman clearly lost her life by a psychotic man and his girlfriend but they Kenny then reported that she saw Frozy put Bereth's body in a black tote bag and then put it in the back of his truck and then he went to Thanksgiving dinner with his family so like Jeez. he just killed a fucking woman puts her body in a tote bag throws it in the back of his truck and goes to dinner with his family like nothing happened and so, at no
1: point does the nurse go to the police. Call the
0: police, right? Yeah. So surveillance footage shows him in the truck with the baby carrier in the front and the black tote in the truck bed. Oh so this my is God. backed up by the police. This story was actually backed up by surveillance footage. Um and the daughter, you know, frightening and sad as this is, the daughter was in one of the other bedrooms when this when this whole thing happened and when the mother was killed. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: So this nurse returns to Colorado November 23rd with a box of rubber gloves, a hairnet, booties, two trash bags and bleach. She then tells investigators that she wanted that f- he wanted to take the body back to Idaho with her. He wanted her to go ahead and hey hey girlfriend, take this body back to Idaho with you and dump her. So that You don't I'm mind crossing state lines
1: with a dead body, do you? That's right? fine, right?
0: So Kinney describes this scene at Bear's home as absolutely horrific. There was blood everywhere and Francie basically told her you clean everything up I killed her, you clean everything up fuck you, this guy fucking sucks
1: obviously,
0: he like tied the sweater around her eyes and then grabbed the baseball bat and started beating the shit out of her and got a huge amount of blood everywhere there there was blood on stuffed animals cookie cutters, curtains, pillows and a bible and instead of cleaning some of them Kenny basically put them all in a bag and threw them away
1: yeah, I mean, how do you clean that?
0: No. And she told police she purposefully purposefully left blood splatters in some places around the house because she was hoping law enforcement would find them sooner and she would be contacted. I don't so I don't understand this, this was woman. a three to four hour cleanup process that she undertook and at no point did she feel like, Hey, I need to contact authorities.
1: Yeah, like she thinks she has to get him caught on the sly by leaving blood but she's gonna take the cell phone to make it ping in Idaho. She's you know, I mean like it's, it's just shady.
0: It I sounds to me I don't like understand it. She got caught and got associated with this. This was something that she and Frozy planned together to get rid of this. And that once she got caught, she was like, Oh shit, I'm gonna go to jail, so I better act like he made me do this.
1: Yeah, Bear men's she knew it was gonna happen before it happened and didn't do anything about it.
0: So then she and Frozi go to Nash Ranch in Fremont County where he lived to retrieve the black tote, which obviously contained Bareth's body, and then the bat as well that he had used to beat her with. They then placed the tote in a, tra- a trough, poured gasoline on it, and set it on fire. She said she never saw Bareth's remains in that tote, but she just assumed that Bareth was in there. And then she left the home several hours later taking the phone Purse, keys, and a gun with her. She intentionally used Barra's phone on her way home in Idaho in hopes that investigators would follow the signal and find her. Kinney mm, said she burned Is that the reason? I don't know. Kenny said she burned Barra's phone when she got home. Before she did, she sent two texts, one to his phone saying, Do you love me anymore? And one to her employer saying she wouldn't be coming into work. Yeah, so, so then, that doesn't
1: sound like she's hoping investigators find her. That sounds like she's trying to create an alibi for
0: uh, Patrick. So Lutley. Kenny then told authorities that he had been planning to dispose of her remains in a landfill or river, but her body has never been found.
1: And I bet, Fuck. like, there's a lot of open land out there, you know? And even if she wasn't in a landfill or down a mineshaft or something like that, I mean, it... It could they might never find her remains,
0: no, if he burned her body and he just just kind of dispersed the remains throughout the ranch, yeah. there's no way they're gonna find that, and granted, yeah. when you try to burn a body, there are obviously some of the remains sometimes don't get burned, like teeth and heart bone, and bone generally portions. bone like
1: it it requires a very, very high temperature to burn bone to ash. Uh, and typically, like, even... Trust in me, a, we know this from... Ex- no, I'm just kidding. Well, I, I mean, I do know this from the classes I've taken and stuff. I, but even in, in cremations, you, you know, you, there are still bone fragments that don't burn all the way. So a, starting a fire, just an outdoor fire, is not going to get hot enough to, no, to had cremate to all the... No, have had to
0: use some accelerant or something of that nature to yeah. continue to burn that... Um, And I find it very interesting that this woman claims, oh, I never saw the body never did this. All I saw was the blood and the tote bag. And so I'm just absolving myself of all responsibility. And I only did it because I was afraid. And it just seems like a lot of bullshit to me. It sounds like there
1: there were there were just so many times when she could have done something and chose not to. And then for her to go back and say and I don't want to make light of the fact that he may very well have been abusive toward her. That is entirely believable based on this guy's history. But for her to come back and say, well, I took the cell phone to Idaho because I wanted them to track me down and I could tell them the story. But yet she creates an alibi for Patrick by sending these two text messages to Kelsey's employer and one to Patrick. Right. And that she leaves surreptitiously, doesn't clean up all the blood. So she hopes that they find Patrick, but she goes and cleans up the blood in the first place and doesn't tell the police. You know what I mean? I don't believe any of
0: it. I don't believe any of it. I think it's bullshit. And I think she's going to get off and she's going to get little or no jail time. And this guy's going to go to jail for the murder, which I think he should. I absolutely believe he should spend the rest of his life in jail for this murder. But I think this girl is responsible almost as much as he is. and she's Yeah, it seems like she has more time culpability than
1: they're saying. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, and we don't know because we're not looking at the court documents, we're not looking at the exact testimony, we're looking at something that has come out from the newspapers and has sort of been filtered down to us through that but I do believe this woman has a lot more responsibility than she is claiming.
1: Yeah. Bear mens, she doesn't she, there were many times where she could have stopped it or come forward and didn't. You know? No.
0: So, and again, a, another really, really tragic case. And in this one, like, this guy, what the fuck? The woman yeah. had a good job. The, she could have taken care of that baby. There were, you know, really, really just break it up a little bit. It sounds like he just didn't want to
1: be rejected by her. It sounds like she rejected him and he couldn't handle it.
0: Well, and he's a quote unquote rancher who's yeah. basically doing nothing with his fucking life. He probably didn't have a lot of money and was like, shit, now I'm going to have to child, pay child support.
1: Or he came so again, for money and didn't have to work.
0: Eh, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like those could go one of both ways when you have somebody that, like, claims to be, those on a ranch, you know, it's either, like, they don't have any money or they don't have to work. One of the two.
0: In any case as this case continues to develop we will provide updates for you guys on it but as of now her body has not been located and he is sitting in jail awaiting the trial for this murder case. Yeah. Darcy what we got one more for you guys I what's the last case
1: one more and this is uh this one is is in the news recently it happened a little bit a couple months back but this is Jennifer Dulos and Jennifer Dulles was 50 years old, and she disappeared on May 24th after dropping her kids off at school in New Canaan, Connecticut. Her friends reported her missing after she missed some appointments, and they hadn't heard from her for about 10 hours. And after they reported her missing, authorities later found her car near a park not far from her house. So at the time of her disappearance, she was estranged from her husband, Fotis, And had been in a heated custody battle with him since 2017. And Jennifer had accused Fotis of having revenge fantasies exhibiting irrational, unsafe, bullying, threatening, and controlling behavior. And Jennifer said that she feared he would abscond with her five children to another country. So that kind of lends to the, the fact that his name does sound foreign. He might have been from another country. I don't know that for sure. But this was something that she obviously feared. And
0: in her... It's a, it's a Greek name, by the way. What? It's a Greek name. Ah, It's a okay. male Greek name. So... Which mean, means light. Sorry. It means light? <laughs> yes.
1: Mmm. Well, this guy wasn't very light. He seems like a dick. She also... Jennifer also <laughs> stated in her custody pet- petition that she owned a gun. Or that he owned a gun, Sorry. And just prior to her disappearance, she told officials that she was afraid of him and that she feared that filing for divorce would enrage him. So this is something that she felt the need to not even just tell friends, but she wanted something in an official court record that she feared him, that he had rage issues, and that this divorce petition she was filing was going to make him act violently toward her. So, so anything
0: that would happen after that would be because he was a psychotic, rage-induced asshole.
1: Right. So investigators looking into <laughs> Jennifer's disappearance discovered stains on her garage floor that tested positive for human blood. And they also found evidence of attempts to clean up the scene of a furious—nope—of a serious physical assault. And they believed Jennifer was the suspected victim.
0: So— Here's another thing that I just don't understand as well. You fucking kill somebody. There's blood everywhere. And you think that you're going to be the one person that's going to be able to clean up every fucking drop of that. And then no one is going to find any trace of it.
1: Yes. So, and I don't remember if I told this the last time we recorded or if I told it on another episode. But one of the people that's in my class at school here was a foreman for an, on a murder case and a jury in New Orleans. And they believe that the victim was murdered at a home and when they saw pictures of the home she said that the house was completely disgusting it looked like hoarders lived there like it was just trash filled everywhere and then they saw pictures of the bathroom which was like the cleanest bathroom that you've ever seen like everything was spotless sparkling (laughs) yes like even like the like the hinge in the pipe behind the toilet was like dazzling clean and she was like come on man really like the rest of your house has like Taco Bell wrappers and Pizza Hut boxes. So six feet of
0: garbage compiled yeah. in the last 15 years. And but it's like the, in the cleanest bathroom so. that
1: ever existed. right? So that's that like was, Red that, that group city. was City. Kind of,
0: yeah. So
1: it was a couple that actually committed the murder and they were both convicted. Um, or maybe she pled guilty and he was convicted either way. But yeah, basically you, you're fucked either way. Either you don't clean it up enough or you clean it up too much and nobody believes it. So, yeah. That seems to be what happened here is that they didn't clean it up enough. So, they also found, investigators also found FOTUS's DNA mixed with Jennifer's blood on a kitchen faucet in her home. So, obviously, evidence that Red he had flag. been there, too.
0: Yeah. So, so, they never lived together in that house prior they to did, that. They, they did, yes, but it's, this was mixed with her blood, Oh, so it had, had to have been after, at the time that that blood was generated, that yeah. DNA was mixed. Not, yeah, the DNA it wasn't like... The DNA was on like, the faucet and then the, the blood came on top of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like there were hairs of both of theirs that were found in the same place. Like, it was like his DNA with her blood on the faucet. The day she went missing, surveillance cameras picked up someone matching the description of Fotis getting out of his truck and putting multiple garbage bags into 30 different trash bins in the Hartford area that's not suspicious. Right. And so uh, detectives later recovered clothing and household goods with Jennifer's blood on it from at least two of those bags.
0: And thing number three, for all the dumbasses who think, oh, I'm going to get away with this shit. There are surveillance cameras everywhere.
1: Yes, there's you surveillance cameras everywhere. Anyway. Your phone is recording everything you do. You're not smarter than technology.
0: Your fucking neighbors have cameras. The Ring things on the doorbells. Everything is filming every day. Please, spot You are us being ring. filmed right now. <laughs> yeah. Don't fucking think you're gonna get away with this shit. Right.
1: So, on June 1st, Fotis and his then-girlfriend Michelle Traconis, It seems that murder charges have split them up. Um, were arrested and charged with tampering with or fabricating evidence and hindering prosecution in relation to Jennifer's disappearance. There are no charges regarding anything with violence against either of them because they have not found Jennifer's body. They've both pleaded not guilty to the charges and have been released on $500,000 bond for each of them. And the five children that Jennifer shared with FOTUS, ages 8 to 11, are staying with Jennifer's grandmother in New York City, and they're not allowed to stay with FOTUS.
0: Yay!
1: Yeah, So the interesting thing, or interesting is probably not the right word. It's probably the fucking crazy ass thing that is about this story is Fotis's lawyer is outside of his mind. So Fotis's lawyer has said that Jennifer had the imagination, means, and motive to disappear. And that she once wrote a novel similar to Gone Girl, though her family says she wrote it nearly two decades ago, long before Gone Girl was published and before she was even dating Fotis. So it's apparently like this 500-page manuscript that had a similar plot line to Gone Girl, which if you haven't read it or haven't seen it, it's amazing. You should do both of those things. But a woman finds out her husband's having an affair, and she sets up in their house a crime scene to make it look like she has been attacked violently and then is missing, but she actually is not missing. she was
0: murdered and set it up to blame the husband,
1: Right but she's not missing she but just she's has disappeared well. intentionally yes. in in gone girl that is not what i think happened here so um, the well, let's lawyer just make it
0: clear. that's never what happens it's literally never <laughs> in like what happened 100,000 cases maybe that would happen one out of every 10 billion cases okay? well there's a reason
1: that book was and movie was so popular is because it's a crazy ass story of something that would never happen Right, like it's just fiction. People, fiction. It, it's. I don't read a lot of fiction, but it's a fantastic book. But anyway, back to our story. So the lawyer admitted that he's not read Jennifer's manuscript, but then he continued to speculate about her and saying that she may have been inspired by the book to frame Fotis as a result of their custody battle.
0: And that's the other thing. People can't just fucking disappear like that like in the Gone Girl type of scenario. There's way too much DNA evidence, closed caption or CC footage, all kinds of other stuff that would eventually catch that person. There is no way you could create, create that Gone Girl scenario, disappear and never be found. That's I mean, bullshit. All and all the why things would she we do that and leave her kids? Yeah. And all of the things that we were talking about for for why Photos
1: was seen you know, dropping off the garbage bags. Those are the same reasons you wouldn't be able to disappear. Your phone is tracking you. There's cameras what everywhere. What does he say
0: happened with the garbage bags? What is he claiming that was?
1: He doesn't. He hasn't said anything about it.
0: Oh, okay. Because it's like really, fucker. You're gonna try to lie and say you dropped off 30 different garbage bags all over the city with like your regular trash.
1: Yeah, bullshit. That's just the thing that that I do is I just I like to spread my trash around into other people's ba- uh, garbage bins.
0: Because um, I don't want to get
1: caught. Exactly. So. Kodis' lawyer also said that Jennifer had severe psychiatric problems and was addicted to heroin. And he implied that she had even trafficked heroin from Cambodia, but he conveniently didn't provide any evidence for any of that. Yeah. So, like, what a fucker? Like, Like, what is this lawyer? I don't even understand this lawyer. Like, this is, like, the sleaziest lawyer I think I've ever heard of that just says this.
0: Well, he's just, like, taking a pot of spaghetti and throwing all the noodles on the wall and just, like, hoping one or two of them will stick. Instead of just going with one yeah. serious alibi, one serious theory as to what happened, he's throwing, like, five, as many theories as he can out there and hoping one of them will, like, tr- catch on. One yeah, of them, One of them will be, like, proven. So, obviously,
1: all of all of the claims are being denied by Jennifer's family and friends because they're asinine. They don't make any kind of sense. Um and I, I do want to throw this out there because Fotis has apparently given an interview with People magazine. And oh, right, right. It, it's just, like, I, it's, it's unbelievable. So in the interview, he said, quote, I don't have my kids. Jennifer's not around. Michelle's not around. I'm having a hard time with work. Uh, I have GPS on my foot. Somebody has to look at who is the one worst affected in this situation.
0: Really? really yep. fucker so the victim. you're the one whose life has been ruined by your own fucking criminal actions yes. don't try to blame it on anyone else your five kids <laughs> don't have a mother so but you have to wear an ankle monitor and
1: that's just the worst
0: you poor baby. I We yes. feel so bad for you. I'm playing my teeny Wah-wah-wah. tiny violin. Right. Um,
1: so I was looking Fuck up. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I, I was looking up um, just updates on this since we were re-recording it today. And this story came out two days ago in the New York Post. Her estranged husband, Jennifer's estranged husband, is again accusing her of framing him. And he is trying to access her medical records. So he, her, uh, his lawyer has filed a three-page motion um, asking for a court order to obtain billing records for fourteen thousand dollars worth of medical tests that Jennifer underwent from February through April. And it says the defendant seeks information about the diagnosis and treatment Ms. Dulos received in the weeks before her disappearance, as such information may shed light on what motivated her to disappear.
0: No oh God. So, so basically, she was mentally ill and not a fit person to be around, and blah blah yes. blah.
1: Yes, and he claims that Jennifer told Fotis that she would do anything she had to to make sure he did not get custody of their children. And the lawyer said that they want the medical records to evaluate whether Miss Dulos, alarmed by her diagnosis and fearing that she might not be able to raise the children on her own, took steps to cause her own disappearance in such a way as to raise suspicions about about Mister Dulos.
0: Okay, so in this particular case, there's a girlfriend around too, as well, right?
1: There was. There was a girlfriend around when she went missing, and the girlfriend was also seen in the surveillance video throwing the trash bags away. but um, and they had been arrested together, but they are no longer dating, which is a real, real bummer.
0: Right. Oh, because his relationship... He's trying to blame the fact that his relationship was ruined on her, too?
1: Right. It's really interesting how murder seems to be a deal-breaker for some people.
0: Fucking ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Poor, poor man. again, fuck this guy Fotis. Fuck his lawyer, I feel like, even more so than him. This lawyer sounds like a piece of human garbage um but that is all the information we have right now it, they have not found Jennifer or her remains and um as with all of these stories as we find out more information we are are for sure going to keep everybody updated
0: so i believe as well um just as a general rule people often think that you cannot prosecute a case without a body so i think a lot of these gentlemen are thinking hey if i get rid of this dead woman's body then they're not going to be able to prosecute me so it's tough it is not impossible, and you still can obtain a conviction without a body. And it it's has very
1: difficult, before. though. Totally. So
0: we're going to do another episode and we're going to talk a little bit more about convictions of murder um, without a body. And we'll get more into the legal terms and things like that as well. But at this point, this is where we're going to say so long, farewell. Please rate, review and subscribe to our little podcast. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions or concerns, please email us at the BFD podcast at gmail.com. Darcy, social media. You can find us at the
1: BFD podcast on both Twitter and Instagram.
0: We apologize this is a little bit of a long episode this week But we had a lot to cover But please join us again next week When we talk more about weird, wacky and wild stuff Good night podcast peeps Stay safe, keep it real And always live your very best life Bye Bye guys